Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. Does truth still matter? Is knowledge of truth even possible? Hi, Alex McFarland here. Welcome to this edition, very special edition of Truth and Liberty. We've got a great show, and in just a few moments, we're going to open up and take phone calls and questions. If you've got a Bible question or really any sort of question about faith and culture, I'll be happy to hear from you along with our very special guest, Carl Kirby. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk a little bit about truth. Does truth matter? Well, American teenagers think so. We're in the midst of wrapping up our five of seven biblical worldview youth camps this summer, and we'll talk about that. And uh, I was just up until a few hours ago in Iowa. Our guest on remote location is in Iowa, Carl Kirby. But part of the reason I bring up this issue of truth, what would you say if somebody were to ask you, what is truth? We often hear people say, well, you know, I've got my own truth and what's real for me or what's true for me, especially when it comes to things like the gospel. Is Jesus the one and only way of salvation? Well, a lost world very often will say, uh, well, that's true for you, but that may not be true for me. And we're to the point now people not only uh, quibble over what's real or not real, what's true, what's false. People debate, what is a man? What is a woman? I would submit to you, friends, it is imperative that we have the presence of mind and frankly, the courage to know what's true and to speak what's true. Well, a man that's given his life to knowing and equipping people to handle the truth is my longtime friend and colleague, Carl Kirby. He's been a repeat visitor on truth and liberty, and along with a lot of very special colleagues and committed friends, Carl and I and others were working on our summer biblical worldview camps. His ministry, Reasons for Hope, is a a beacon of truth at this time, but I want to welcome him to the program. We're going to have a lot of fun. He's a guy you don't want to miss, and so when you have an opportunity, in a few moments we open up the telephones, and you've got the opportunity to ask your questions of Carl and myself. I urge you to do that. The number, I want to give you this number. You might want to jot it down, because you know the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. Here's the number for questions in a few moments, 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341, and we'll pick up the phones in a few moments. But Carl, my dear brother, my faithful colleague in ministry, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Alex, you always bless me by letting me be with you, brother, and I appreciate that very much. I'm out here trying to fill in now that you left Cedar Rapids or Cedar Falls. I'm kind of falling in behind you. 
Well, listen, we're having a good time. Hey, the, these teenagers, middle school, high schoolers, we've done five camps. Uh, we've got North Carolina and New Jersey coming up. Um, I would say kids really do resonate with and respond to truth, don't they, Carl? Oh, absolutely, Alex. You know, you've seen it. I mean, when we were in uh, Georgia, this is the thing that blew me out of the water, Alex. We're teaching four times a day, right? And over and yeah. over again, and we throw in an extra session that a minimum of a third of the kids come back for. I mean, so, so some of these young people are getting five sessions a day, plus you're doing all the fun stuff. But we're hearing over and over again, I wish my church taught like this. I wish that this was going on in my church because this is making me excited. I would want to study the Bible. I would want to go to church if we got this type of a thing. They care about truth. They care deeply about it. But it has to be presented to a way in a way that it makes sense because uh, my heart is breaking after the last camp. 85 young people on the final night asked to fill in the blank, strip of paper, fill in the blank. When I look in the mirror, I see, and out of 85 students, Alex, only two had something positive to say about themselves. Satan is yeah. busy. He's lying like crazy. He's deceiving. We've got the truth and we got to get it out. Amen. Amen. And you mentioned Satan is real. Uh, we've got to help people understand that we're in a spiritual battle. Now, we are victorious. We as believers have authority. Folks, listen to this. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus, he's about to ascend to heaven. He's risen from the grave. And he says to the disciples and to us, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And the Greek word really means jurisdiction. See, when you go out into this world to minister, you're on God's turf. This world belongs to King Jesus, and he deputizes his church. We've got authority, but Carl, people need to know that, that in Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, we are victorious. We're not victims. We are victors in Jesus, yeah. and everybody needs to know that, but especially young people. Absolutely. And I think the key was in Christ. And what we have as a generation that's been taught to look at the world through the lens of man's opinion, Satan's lies. They don't trust the word of God. So they don't look at themselves through that lens, which says you are his masterpiece. You were literally knit together in your mother's womb. He made you, he loves you so much that while you rejected him, he still came and he died on a cross for you. If you want value, if you want worth, that's the only thing that can give you true value and worth that can never be taken away, and that's his love for you, and that's truth. You, you know, Carl, when I was in seminary, uh, I was teaching guitar lessons. One of the ways I paid the bills was teaching guitar lessons, and I had a student, and her grandfather had been a famous opera singer, and he was, mm -hmm. he was rather elderly, and he came to me just a broken man because he couldn't sing opera anymore. And, and like he, he had defined his worth by that musical talent. And look, we, everybody's got talents. Everybody's got things that they're proud of. And, and to a degree, that's okay. But see, if your worth is tied to how talented you are, how pretty you are, how much money you've got, or if you've got fame or you got the big job, or where, where are you when that might be lost or gone away. The, the worth that really is the true and lasting riches, folks, you've got to embrace this. It's who you are in Jesus Christ. The Son of God gave his life for you. 
because you have meaning and purpose and value in Jesus. And Carl, aren't you glad that, um, look, um, accomplishments, that, that's okay, right? But right. it's Jesus that can never be taken away. That's our, our identity. It's in the Lord Jesus because Jesus is with us forever. You're speaking my language, man. When I got into ministry, one of my biggest fears was the way that I grew up. My dad was a professional wrestler, as you know. And so I grew up around guys on stage, one thing off the stage, another. One of the saddest moments in my life was with my father, who is younger than I am now. We walked into a restaurant and he was looking in everybody's eyes, Alex, hoping that somebody recognized him because that's where his value and his worth came from. They didn't recognize him anymore. So his life was essentially, it was over because people didn't recognize him anymore. And I'm telling you that you're so right that if people think that they're going to be happy because they have money in the bank, good looks, those things can be taken away and they will. If you sell out for yeah. what the world can give you, the world can and will take it away. But if you sell out for what the Lord Jesus Christ gives you, nobody can take it away. And we have to communicate that truth effectively and powerfully to this next generation. You know, Carl, as you and I were prepping for the show today, I, I want to say thank you so much for being with us. And I want to talk about the camps because, folks, there are two more opportunities for teenagers to come to Biblical Worldview Camp. This upcoming week, next week, we're going to be in North Carolina, very, very near Charlotte, North Carolina, super easy to get to. Then later in August, we'll be doing a camp in New Jersey. And there is still time. The website for our Biblical Worldview Camps is equipretreat.org. And, you know, we were in South Carolina, and a father and son came from Oklahoma City. Another group came from Wisconsin just this past week in Iowa, beautiful part of the Midwest at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, with people from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Carl, the fact that youth groups and teens will cross America to sit yep. for five days while you and me and David Glander and others, we teach them how to defend Christianity. Uh, that tells me that young kids care about truth. You better believe it. And you didn't mention we had sisters come from Montana. They came all the way from Montana they to be at the camp. So, yes. And here's what here's what we're seeing. This has happened on a couple of occasions now. I was in Georgia speaking, I, and, and, and we engage. It's not like lecture, right? I mean, we're engaging. We're, we're working oh, off yeah. these young getting their minds going. And so I looked down at my timer, and I was like, oh, no, I only have five minutes left, but I had 20 minutes worth of material left. So I just said, it was, Alex was just all off the cuff. It wasn't planned. I just said, oh, guys, I only got five minutes to go, so let me wrap this up. I'll skip ahead. And every kid in that place yelled, no, we want to hear it. And they were getting ready to go to free time. They were going to go do zip lines and climbing walls. And they said, no, we want to hear it. Th that is not normal, man. This generation truly is hungry. Amen. Amen. Uh, Carl, when I was prepping for our time together tonight, I was reading an article uh, about two days ago. It was in the news that a group of... Um, globalists and futurists came together. These were some of the wealthiest people, very, you know, billionaires, uh, people that are into artificial intelligence technology. And two of the people that were lecturing to this group, the people that uh, ostensibly will chart the trajectory of the future, 
they said, look, uh, we're past the industrial age. In fact, we're just on the eve of becoming gods. Mm. And I was reading that and I thought, man, there's nothing new under the sun. All yep. the way back in Genesis 3, the serpent lied to Adam and Eve and, and Satan said, you're going to become gods. And Carl, here we are in 2023 and these people, they're rich. Uh, they don't know the Lord. They're uh, pretty much intoxicated by their own belief in their importance. They're, they're saying, look, hey, we're way beyond internet and AI. We're about to turn into gods. That is a lie from the pit, isn't it, Carl? Absolutely. It goes all the way back, as you said, to the very beginning. And, you know, I just had to do a talk on AI, Alex. I'd never really put a lot of stock into it. But a group up in uh, Wisconsin asked me to come and speak, and they wanted me to do one on AI. And when I looked into it, this is a scary issue. This is definitely going to be a tool that is going to, that it, right now, currently, is being used to deceive. But it is going to deceive even more in the future. And, yes, one of the biggest lies is the very first lie that you can become as God. Yeah. Well, let me say this, folks. If you need spiritual help, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about truth, scripture, the the apologetics and the facts that underscore the word of God. But maybe you're watching this, you're hearing Carl and myself, and you're thinking, you know, I need to make sure that I'm right with God. I want to give a number. Now, listen carefully. Um, No strings attached. We just want to encourage you in Jesus and toward Jesus. Jesus, 719-635-1111, 719-635-1111. If you need to pray with somebody, if you just want to say, look, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I really have Jesus Christ in my life? The, the prayer line, spiritual help, look, again, no agenda, no strings attached. We just want to help you in your walk and your witness with Christ. The number 719 Three five eleven eleven. But if you want to join in with a call or a question for Carl and myself, and it could be on topic or off, it's 719-619-2341. And I do want to remind you, truth and liberty, we deal with worldview, we deal with culture, we deal with politics. I, I'll be back on Friday night. Major national speaker Steve Dace will be with me Friday night. He's on The Blaze with Glenn Beck. You've heard his name, I'm sure. He's also the producer of a brand new film called Nefarious. Steve Dace will be right here with us Friday night. It's amazing. So I want to ask you a couple of favors. Number one, tell people about Truth and Liberty. But also, maybe you would feel led to help support. If you go to the website, truthandliberty.net slash donate. Uh, to be a partner with Truth and Liberty, just $5 a month, $5 a month. And I realize for some of you that that's a sacrifice, but your gift in any amount, we're mobilizing people to stand for truth. We're encouraging churches. We're mobilizing people to pray for our nation. Carl, it's always a, a thrill. And just last week, I got an email from a viewer. He's a pastor and he was asking, he said, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm burned out. Uh, do, do I throw in the towel or could God have a new chapter for my ministry? And I think a part of what we do with Truth and Liberty, Carl, is um, we help people come to the Lord. We help people come back to the Lord. And so, folks, mm-hmm. your financial support and prayers is is vital. But 
Carl, uh, the battle for truth, we, we dare not quit. We cannot quit. We must stand for what's true. Absolutely. Research shows that uh, a young person that does not have an absolute authority for truth is six times more likely to commit suicide. And that, that's the number two killer of teenagers in America today. It is an yeah. issue. And so I think one of the pieces that we have to grasp as Christians is that we have truth. We do not have to be belligerent. We do not have to be mean-spirited, but we can love people enough that we can have open and honest conversations with them and point them to something. I mean, just uh, yesterday, I'm reading this article, right, uh, NBC of all places, and it was talking about how now people that want to uh, identify as a different nationality, like I want to identify as Japanese, which I think I should because I've eaten enough Japanese food in my life. I believe that I should be able to identify as Japanese. Well, even the, the uh, liberals are saying, no, you can't do that. Well, hold up. That, let's take that and now let's apply that to gender. You see, there yeah. is truth out there. We know it's there and we have to teach people to not be afraid to call people out on this. Why can't I identify as a Japanese, but I can identify as a, as a black female if I want to? It's like, guys, right. this is crazy. We have truth and we have nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. Hey, a little bit of uh, latter 20th century pop culture trivia. Does the name Rachel Dolezal ring a bell, oh, yeah. Carl? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness, um, man. They tore that poor lady apart. This was a fascinating story, folks. Okay, you remember the NAACP, which has been an advocacy group for black Americans for many decades. Well, Rachel Dolezal in the upper northwest, it might, might have been um, Seattle or Portland, but she was the chapter president for the NAACP. And, and she did interviews, and she was, um, she was light-complected, but what it turned out was she had a lot of makeup on and hair extensions. And this lady that presented herself as African-American black turned out that she was very, very, very Caucasian. Now, do you, you remember they, they just attacked her and she yes. was fired in disgrace. And I remember I was watching some good uh, like morning show. And they were talking about Rachel Dolezal and she had impersonated an African-American when indeed she was white. And this lady that was very liberal, she said, because you can't change your body. You can't <laughs> change your ethnicity. What you are is what you are and that can't be changed. Now, Carl, they've they flipped the script. Now the narrative is you can change your body, right? Oh, I'm telling you, I, I had to put my glasses on so I could see the title of it. I'd highly recommend people go read this article. Inside the online world of people who think they can change their race. And it is unbelievable. Every argument that they use in there that we can't change our race, all you have to do is replace race with gender. And the argument absolutely sticks. And so yeah. this is how crazy we've gotten. And Christians are afraid that, oh, you know, it, this sounds so crazy. We believe in a God that created. Oh, no, you know, we sound ridiculous. What? What is ridiculous is that I can't tell what, what a woman is or a man is. And I got Supreme Court justices that are afraid to answer that question. That's what's crazy. 
Yeah. Well, Carl, I was thinking about this. If, if the transgender ideology, and folks, it is not science, it is not reality, it, it's a worldview. It's an ideology. Now, an ideologue uh, uh, ends in GUE. An ideologue is one that, that pushes an ideology. If the transgender ideology is truth, then they ought to give Rachel Dolezal her job back, right? Because she was wrongly terminated. Uh, but look, you and I know, to be clear, we can't change our body. We can't merely identify as such. Oh, now I'm George Clooney. I'm eight <laughs> inches taller, 40 pounds thinner. No, look, by God's grace, we are what we are. Carl, I want to throw a verse out there, and I want your comment because I highly respect how you think as a Christian writer and apologist. Psalm 16, verse 6 says, The boundary lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly heritage. Now, there are just some things about life and identity that um, God just providentially decreed, Carl. Am, am I right? Like where we were born, when we were born, the fact that I'm a male, I'm not a female. I mean, there, there are some attributes of our life that we've just got to accept that, that God made those decisions, not us. A am I right, Carl? Oh, absolutely. And I think the thing that I want to take it a step further with is understand this. He made you the way that he wanted you. So maybe you don't look like the way that you would want to be. That doesn't matter. God created you the way that he wanted you. You are perfect, regardless of what anybody else thinks about you. And then again, when we can understand that, that God made me this way and that he loves me this much, then that's going to help me withstand the people that are mocking and making the name calling and all that sort of a thing, because they didn't die on a cross for me. He did. And if he's willing to go to that extreme for me, then I think that I personally, I should feel comfortable enough to say, okay, somebody doesn't like me because of whatever this is. I've got to love them enough to be tolerant enough to say, you know what? Okay. Dislike me for that. But let me tell you the truth about this. There's a God that loves you, even though you're nasty. So sometimes mm. you've got to call people out. <laughs> Hey, hey, Carl, give us the website for Reasons for Hope. Folks, you got to check this out because they're producing some of the, the most world-class content, refuting error, defending truth. Carl, how can people find Reasons for Hope? The website is rforh.com, stands for Reasons for, F-O-R, Hope, R4H.com, but I would highly, highly, highly recommend that folks go to their app store and download our app by searching, again, for R-F-O-R-H. Just those five letters, a blue asterisk on a black background will pop up, and man, download the app because that is where it's hours of free content that we put up on there, so folks will have tools in their hands that they can get in conversations with people, not arguments, not fighting, not mean-spirited, but just having good, open, honest conversations with people. Carl, when, when you and I were in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, were, were you there when the boy, I think he was about 14 or 15, his name was Alex, coincidentally, my name is Alex also, but he had read his Bible for 45 minutes, he was off of his ADD meds, and th this child was so excited that he had focused and read his Bible 45 minutes 
Uh, were you there when he was telling this? He was on the front row to the right side, number two or three, typically. He sat right up in there, and that young man was on fire for the Lord. On the final day, he he was, again, praising Jesus, and that young man, I didn't know about the ADD meds, Alex. I didn't know that, but I'm going to tell you this. If I'd have known that, I'd have been even more amazed because he was locked in and focused. He wasn't jittering. He wasn't bouncing around. He wasn't acting all goofy. Kid was in. He was paying attention. I've got a video that will just about bring you to tears. Now, folks, listen to this, because what Carl and I are talking about, you can replicate it in your church. Uh, Look, maybe you're urban, rural, big church, small church. Maybe you've got 50 kids in your youth group. Maybe you've just got two or three. But I'm telling you, middle school and high school, they care about truth. This young man at our camp in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, we, we had... Uh, I don't know, 17 or 18, pray to accept Christ and be born again. This young man, he was so excited. He said, Mr. McFarland, I read my Bible 45 minutes last night. I said, well, that's wonderful. That's great. He said, you don't understand. I've never read a book before more than about five minutes. And he said, I looked up. I've been reading the Bible 45 minutes and I realized I hadn't even taken my meds and I was able to focus. And I read the Bible 45 minutes. He said, God helped me do that, didn't he? I said, yeah. yes, the Lord helped you do that. Folks, we could see maybe the greatest move of God since Pentecost. Carl, I want to be a part of that and I'm believing God for it. Amen. Man, pray for us because we really want to expand the equip retreats. I want to get them to where we're doing at least 10 a year. And, and in order to do that, we really need the Lord to do, do some amazing things here, open some doors for us. But absolutely, because we're seeing the impact that it's having. We're seeing these young people uh, that are, are making statements like Alex did. But then there's others, young lady that came up to me, 14-year-old young lady, and she's like, you know what? When I grow up, I want to do this. I want to teach like you're teaching. I want to. I want people to be able to trust the Bible. I'm 14. I saw my friend take a shotgun, put it in her mouth, and pull the trigger. And it's like she started sharing her background. And you're like, what? This generation, Alex, I'm telling you, I left there so spiritually drained because 85 young people, you look in the mirror, you see what, and only two had anything positive to say. The only way that we can overcome that is to let them see themselves the way that God sees them, and we can do it. But we need people to rally behind us because, Alex, you and I and our team, Dave Lander, our whole team, we need to be in front of this younger generation even more. Maybe folks out there would like to have uh, Dave or myself or you come and do an equip rally to to get some interest, to bring them to a camp. We will do whatever it is that we can do to get this generation fired up. Amen. And you know what, folks, this is so exciting. In early June, the first camp we did all summer was down in in Georgia, very much South Georgia. And Carl, uh, uh, a kid came up to me, and I, I don't know, I think he was 14. And, you know, we're talking about God exists. The Bible yeah. is true. Creation versus evolution. Jesus rose. The, yep. the basics of a biblical worldview. And this young man said to me, he said, if church was like this, I'd be there every time the doors were open. 
Yeah. Hey, Alex, you, I don't know if I told you this one or not, but when you all came to Indiana, I had I was at another camp speaking, so I couldn't be at that one. But my pastor texted me after the camp was over. He texted me and said, I have to say thank you because you changed my grandson's life. Grandson comes home. I want a Bible that I can read, and I'm going to start paying attention in church. So th- this is real, guys. I'm telling you, we can do it. We need you to help us to Amen. do it, though. Amen. Well, folks, this is Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here, our very special guest, author, apologist, Carl Kirby. We've got a brief break, and I see Frank in Missouri. Frank, hang on. We're going to get to our calls and questions. Now, here's the number. If you've got a Bible question, it's 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. It can be on topic or, or really anything. Carl Kirby and I will do our best to give you a biblical answer. We've got a brief break. Stay with us. Your questions after this. The moment you believe your healing is done, and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. You observe what Jesus did and try in your mind and say, I'm making a judgment that Jesus paid the price for me. We focus on what the doctors can do for us, more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, All you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. The Bible says that His Word is truth. One of my favorite scriptures, folks, it's, a, it's super easy, but man, is it powerful. John 10, 35, Jesus said the scripture cannot be broken. Well, the number is 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. If you've got a Bible question for myself and Carl Kirby, We'd love to hear from you. We're going to go to calls. We're going to go to Missouri, Frank in Missouri. Uh, Frank, thanks for holding. Where are you in Missouri, Frank? I'm in the middle of everywhere. How are you doing, Alex? Uh, I I appreciate this. uh, I heard a scripture verse. I want to quote the one before. It said, my my tongue is a pen. My soul is indicting a goodly manner. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I was that kid, Alec, that you were talking about 53 years ago. I'm as old as I couldn't read 25 pages. And my first, I got a four-year degree, a bachelor's degree from Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. I couldn't read because I was a drug addict. 
And I tell you that uh, when I started reading the Bible, and I went to Bible school, I went to a teen challenge program. I started reading the Bible, and they slapped 25,000 pages on me in the in. And I made it through that first semester, and I made it through four years of Bible college because that's all I ever wanted to study was the Bible. Glory be to God. Oh, so my question is, is how, how do you know that the Bible is uh, true, that the Bible is, is, is real? I mean, I got an answer for it. God go. bless you, Frank. Great question. And folks, let, let me say, if ever we need to demonstrate to a generation that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. Uh, this is that, that era that we've got to show the world. And I want to be on record. I believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. I believe that the Bible is completely, totally the Word of God. We use the word, listen, folks, the word inerrant. Inerrant means without error. And so I do believe that the Bible is true. Now, this is going to sound a little simplistic, but it's, it's actually not. And then I want to go to Carl Kirby. Now, folks, this is going to sound a little bit uh, deceptively simple. The primary reason that I believe the Bible is true is because Jesus said so, and he was raised from the dead. Now, Christ affirmed the Old Testament repeatedly, all of the hotly contested parts of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, the, the books of Moses, Isaiah, liberals love to rip up on Isaiah. Uh, what about Jonah, Jonah and the, the great fish? What about the flood? All of the parts of the Old Testament that the critics love to dismiss, Jesus affirmed those. Now, Jesus, listen to this, he affirmed the old and he made provision for the new. Because in John 14, 26 and 27, Jesus appointed the apostles as his messengers of the scripture that we now call the New Testament. Now listen, he told the disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all things whatsoever I have told you. So Jesus affirmed the old, he made provision for the new, and he rose from the dead. Now, now I realize, believe me, I'm keenly aware that a lot of atheists will say, oh, that's circularity. You're using the Bible to prove the Bible. But, but no, because we have external evidence, even beyond the Bible, for the life of Christ. And there's much, much more to say, but I want to go to Carl Kirby, because there are so many folks, compelling, compelling lines of evidence that I think prove the Bible. Carl, why do you believe, I've never asked you this just point blank, Carl Kirby, Reasons for Hope, why do you believe that the Bible is true? My core answer is the same as yours, is because Jesus believed it. And when Jesus Christ quotes Genesis 25 times, and he quotes it as real history, and I'm a Christian, which means Christ follower, if my master, if my savior can accept the fact that Genesis was written as real history, and then the old, the old, old, the whole Old Testament that he took it as real history, then this poor pea brain right here can take it as such. Now, I then go to the next level, and I love the 
the research that we can do, I'd, I'd recommend a very easy book to read. It's a classic. It's Josh McDowell, and it's been updated with Sean McDowell on More Than a Carpenter, on why we can know that the texts are accurate, the, the number of manuscripts, the, the proximity between the, the author and the, the manuscript, and all of that type of thing. That's wonderful evidence. But the ultimate evidence, I'm a, I do a whole talk on uh, the best evidence, right, that God created, and I go through all this amazing evidence, but at the very end, I'm giving, I'm giving it away, spoiler alert, God said he did it. God said he created. That's the best evidence, and I think the fact that Jesus Christ took the word and quoted it as real history and accepted it as real history, this poor feeble brain can take it as such as well. Well, folks, let me, uh, and Frank, I know we're kind of uh, giving you maybe more than you even bargained for. If you've got a Bible question, folks, the number is 719-619-2341. Here's some alphabet letters you might want to write down, folks. These letters, U-I-H-S-P-I-L-C. Now, what does that mean? Okay, and, and I, I write about this in my book, Stand, Core Truths You Must Know for an Unshakable Faith. S-T-A-N-D, Stand, Core Truth for an Unshakable Faith. Why do we believe the Bible is unique, true, authoritative? The Bible has exhibited amazing worldwide influence. The Bible is amazingly indestructible. The Bible has amazing historical accuracy. The Bible has amazing scientific accuracy. The Bible has had amazing prophetic accuracy, predicted the the future in advance. The Bible has had amazing life-changing power. And then finally, the Bible has amazing life-changing circulation. Uh, On and on we could go. But Carl... One of the things, and this is why it's such an exciting time to be alive, look, atheists like Voltaire in the 1700s, the 1800s, even in the 1900s, one of the the core things that skeptics used to, the drum they would bang on was the nation of Israel. Because like the book of Revelation talks about, you know, Israel this, Jerusalem that. And skeptics like Voltaire would, and Robert Ingersoll, he was an atheist, many years ago. He said, well, you know, the Bible says in the last days, right before the end of time, there's all this about Israel. There is no Israel because Rome besieged Jerusalem in AD 70. There is no Israel. Yeah, well, fast forward to May 14, 1948. It's amazing. Uh, Shortly before midnight, the nation of Israel raised a flag, and 11 minutes after midnight, President Harry Truman we're told he was a Christian, said the United States of America recognizes the sovereign nation of Israel. I, Carl, I believe we could do a whole show on the amazing, miraculous, prophetic, Bible-affirming reality that has been the rebirth of the nation of Israel. I mean, that in itself, I think, is a miracle. Oh, absolutely. And then I'm a guy that loves the creation side of things. I love taking people through zoos and museums and aquariums. And here's what God said. This is what the world says. Here's what we actually see by taking a look at the fact that when, let's take a real simple one, right? I, 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 especially in this day and time with dealing with critical race theory and all this type of a thing. God said he created one man and one woman. 
Well, guess what? Give science time. Be patient. They'll catch up to reality. Now science knows beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't care what you look like on the outside. Every person on this planet goes back to one man. I could have saved a lot of time and money on that research. God has told us that from the beginning. And guess what? Oh, now we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every person on this planet goes back to one woman. One man, one woman. Guess what? It gets even better. Huffington Post quote, this one man and one woman, wait for it, Alex, they lived at the same time. Duh, wow. it's not going to work any other way. God told us that from the beginning. If we had started there and the church, and we have to call it out, church, we blew it in the past because we tried to take our wisdom to God's word and say, God, I know what you wrote, but let me tell you what you meant. You didn't quite understand, you know, science here. So, you know, you got your black race and they're lower than the white race who are more highly evolved, which evolution teaches. That's not what Carl Kirby believes. But when we tried to take man's opinion and go to God's word and tell him what he meant, we blew it. When you start with God's no. word, you start with the truth. You know, Carl, one of the things you alluded to there, and listen carefully, folks, uh, I was uh, I was at a college speaking and it, it was, you know, pretty pretty heavy academics. And um, this girl came to the mic during the Q&A. She goes, let me get this straight. Uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, you don't believe in evolution? And I said, yes, ma'am, you are hearing me correctly. I do not believe in evolution. Um, and she, she looked at me, she goes, why? And that was a whole nother subject. But here's oh, yeah. one of the reasons that I would not be a Darwinist. It's because I'm not a racist. Yep, amen. You've got to understand, folks. Uh, evolution is inherently racist. I mean, Carl, Charles Darwin had some incredibly cruel things to say about what he called aboriginal peoples. Absolutely. I mean, evolution is, is very biased and really racist, isn't it? Well, the original title for Charles Darwin's book, Origin of Species, contained the phrase, or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. In the title itself, now they didn't, in, in Origin of Species, let's be honest, it didn't talk about human evolution that much. It was, you know, not, nothing really in, in depth, but it did in The Descent of Man, he went specific into it. And yes, it is a racist philosophy. I take people to the Smithsonian and take them back. Let's take a look at the most the oldest ancestors, the closer you get to that missing link, the darker they are. And you don't start getting lighter till you start getting smarter because evolution teaches ape-like ancestor in Africa evolved into the black folks. And some of those black folks, they ate fish, bird brain development. So they got smart. And so some of those smart black folk moved north to turn white. That is racism at the core. People don't believe me. I've got the videos that that's exactly what they teach. And I'm saying that's ridiculous. If you had started with God's word, you, you wouldn't see what you see in this world today because we would have been light years ahead of this. Well, and not to mention, now, while we're critiquing evolution, there are uh, illustrations like a three-toed horse and uh, the uh, in the womb, uh, a human go has like fish-like gills and... Uh, things that have long, for decades been discredited. Evolutionists themselves know that these fanciful ideas are not true. And yet, Carl, I still see these things in museums. And to your point yep. about the statues, it, it makes my heart heavy how evolutionists, when they get to the highest living land mammals and they want to say, okay, this is the fully formed human who's intelligent, self-sustaining. Uh, we're, we're no longer... Uh, you know, ape-like, but we're human. Isn't it coincidental that that's a Caucasian European 
they've created. It's kind of a little, little uh, self-indulgent, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, and I know that, you know, we didn't really, I didn't mean to get off on the creation evolution thing. I just want to use that one example right. about, look, there is truth. And God's word is true. Yeah. When he said created one man and one woman, boy, howdy, he meant it. And what we see in the world is consistent with that. But yes, we do have, I believe, honestly, Alex, not trying to be mean-spirited by any stretch of the imagination, but we have to call this stuff out because we have a generation that is being taught that Christians are closed-minded, intolerant, bigoted, opinionated, we're hicks and all this, we believe in all this stupid stuff. Well, guys, to believe that, that smart black folk move north to turn white, I just got to call it, even though my grandkids are going to get mad at me, that's stupid. And yeah. I know, I know I'm going to get in trouble on that one. But look, if smart people move north where it's cold, they're not smart. I'm staying on the beach. That's where the smart people stay. I'm just saying right now. Well, but that's what evolution says. So, Frank, let me encourage you. The Bible is the Word of God. It's a miraculous book, an amazing unified message. I mean, you think about this, and I, I know we've got Linda in South Carolina. We've got college holding. We're going to get to you, but let me just say this. Forty authors writing over a 1,500-year period, most of whom never knew each other, very different people. Moses was a political leader. Amos was a farmer. David was a shepherd, king of Israel. Peter was a fisherman. Uh, Paul was a, a theologian scholar. Luke was a, a doctor. Matthew worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector. Now, you've got 40 very divergent writers over a millennia and a half, and yet this one amazing unified message. What is it? The kingdom of God and how to get in. Amen. The, the Messiah and how you can know him. Carl, I think one thing that needs to be pointed out is the Bible's amazing consistent voice. It speaks with this unified voice. It is God's love letter to the human race, the Bible. Amen. Well, folks, it's Truth and Liberty. Our very special guest, Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope, and we're partnered up all summer long. We're doing camps all across America. We've done five, got two to go. The website for our youth camps, equipretreat.org. And by the way, if you would go on Truth and Liberty net slash subscribe. You can get all the articles that we write, Richard Harris, myself. I was very proud. I was on the Truth and Liberty website the other day, and they've got a couple of the things that I've written, To God Be the Glory. Check it out. Tell your friends. And the number for Bible questions and telephone calls tonight is Truth, and, I'm sorry, 719-619-2341. Okay, I'm going to go to South Carolina where we were a couple of weeks ago, South Carolina. Linda, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you. And Carl, you don't know me, but I have to comment on your smart people live at the beach. That's where I live. So thank you. <laughs> You're a smart one. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> um, no, I, I really want to thank you uh, for all that y'all are doing to get truth out to young people. Uh, I taught high school for 33 years. I have taken kids to camps many times. I have taught young people. I've taught children, and they need the truth, and they do want the truth. And I know how excited they are at camp and how energetic and enthused, and they're on fire for the Lord, and they want to go back to their schools and share what they have learned and what they now uh, have 
taken in and absorbed. But after time, that begins to fade. So I wonder if you guys, through Reasons of Hope, have any almost like a bookmark or a tiny little brochure or something that kids could have that you could give them from camp and say, here, pass these out to your friends at school. Or I know here in South Carolina, our superintendent encourages collaboration between the local churches and the schools. And a lot of the churches are given some leeway into getting religious literature into the schools. But they almost need like bullet points or a little bookmark or something that highlights the things that they have learned from y'all that's easy for them to, in a very quick, brief um, encounter with their friends, possibly in the hallway between class changes, to share with them. And I didn't know if y'all had anything like that. I know you have a lot of things on your website, but um, I just think that would be something helpful for kids to have in their hands. Carl? Ms. Ms. Linda, thank you so much. Uh, highly recommend get the app. On the app, they can go to the debunked tab. It's a, it's a paint blue spot, splotch with a white D in it. And in there are three and a half to four minute videos taking on the issues that young people like to throw out today. Like, oh, there's no evidence for God. The Bible's full of mistakes and errors. And it's three and a half to five minutes. I uh, couldn't fit all the animals on the ark. And we answer those animated fast pace. And the, those young people can share those videos. And those are all up on there free of charge. Um, I have uh, the gospel bracelets that uh, this is something that th these young people can take in and share. You can get them very inexpensively. If you go to presentation tools, uh, threads of hope, follow that tab down there, you can get it. Two more things that I would tell you about. One is from me and one is from Alex. One is from us is we have mic'd up clubs for the high school age where we are doing every week, uh, there's a new question that this younger generation studies. They have to study because we want them to go out on the street and engage people in conversations. But before they ask the question, and they can do this in their school, they have to be able to answer the question. So we teach them how to answer the question. And, and every two weeks, we have a live Zoom call where myself or uh, Dave or Frank or one, one of our speakers were there so that we can engage with these young folks and help them to feel more comfortable to share uh, and to answer the question that we're asking. And that's something that they can get in touch with. Just, just on the app, go to info at rforh.com and, and shoot us a text and I'd like more information on that. But then I'm going to pass a baton to Alex because he's got something that I think is phenomenal as well called viral truth clubs that these young mm. folks in schools, in their schools, they can do this. Amen. Linda, thanks for the great question, because what we do, whether it's a conference or a camp, and, you know, for 20 years, I've done Truth for a New Generation conferences all over America. We've done 49 major conferences that are kind of citywide conferences. But I, I realize, Carl, that after the mountaintop experience, much of life is lived in the valley, and we yep. want to have kids equipped so they don't kind of run out of gas when they get back home, right? Well, we started a couple of years ago these clubs called Viral Truth. Now, what I do in my Viral Truth clubs, we've got middle school, high schools, even a couple of colleges. There are 40 biblical worldview topics that we've written, you might as well say a syllabus about. We provide kids these topic talking points. And, you know, really the Viral Truth clubs and the website for these are viraltruth.com. 
viral truth. And it's like, you know, videos go viral. Well, we want God's truth to go viral. We have leadership seminars every quarter. I and some of my staff get on and we teach young people how to lead a meeting. How do you invite your friends to come to a meeting? And we say that the viral truth meetings, they're real, relevant, respectful. And uh, we want kids, look, obviously we want every child to open their heart and be born again. But we say, look, let's say you're talking with a, a peer who's struggling with gender confusion or, or substance abuse. Um, we want them to come to Christ. But even if they disagree with you at first, we want you to build that bridge and keep on uh, letting them come and encouraging them to come. So the Viral Truth Clubs are exciting. One last thing, Linda, I wrote a book called The 10 Most Common Objections to Christianity and How to Effectively Answer Them. And of all the books that the Lord's allowed me to write, that one's sold the most copies. And we go over God, truth, the Bible, Jesus, heaven, hell, Satan, prayer, creation versus evolution. But in the back of the 10 Objections book, and folks, you'll recognize it because this book has a big red X on the cover, the Roman numeral 10, 10 Most Common Objections. And I came up with my list by interviewing teenagers. Uh, there, there's a 12-week small group study guide. Carl, I give God the glory. Literally hundreds of churches over the last 15 years, hundreds have used it as a Sunday school curriculum, as Wednesday night curriculum, as small group. And so there are a lot of resources out there. I highly recommend everything that Carl does, the debunked, you know, in other words, we're going to refute it, debunked videos, amazing stuff. Carl, aren't we living in the golden age of apologetics? Oh, I think so. We have more now at our hands and the quality of it, which is amazing because now you can produce quality video. We don't have to, Christians don't have to do cheesy video anymore. We can do quality stuff because we have young people who have grown up and are now, you know, in their 20s and 30s who are very good and want to do projects that bring glory to the Lord. I mean, the guys that work on our uh, videos, they work for the secular world. They do, they do big name, and I'm not going to name drop the names, but I'm talking big name videos. They do those, but then they work on ours because they're Christians and they're like, man, we want our work to go towards something that's bringing glory to God as well. So yes, now is a very amazing time to live because there's so many products, there's so many tools, and yes, they can be used for bad. I mean, an app, I'm telling you to have a smartphone and download an app. No, I'm telling you not to have a smartphone at all, but if you're going to have one, put something on there that's going to help you to have conversations and help you grow in your uh, your knowledge and your boldness to share the Lord Jesus Christ with the generation that needs to know there's another way. Amen. We're going to go to Illinois. Uh, Darina, Darina, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes. Darina, and you know what? We might have to queue up your question and come back after the break. I've got to ask you, uh, are you in Chicago? Are you in Decatur? Zion, I am I've been Mom's to... Uh, say it again. Okay, Mom's okay. <laughs> wow, well, thank you for watching Truth and Liberty. And um, like I say, Carl and I might have to fully unpack this on the other side of this break, but what's your question, Darina? 
Um, I never understood the parable that they say, uh, the term virgin that was five wise and five unwise. And what is the meaning of it? They have oil, then they they were not that good and went back to get more oil. And Jesus said, I never knew you when they came. So I wanted to explain a little bit that. Wow. This is a very important parable or story. Now, folks, uh, let, let me cue this up. And this is, I believe, in Matthew 25, a parable. And by the way, one of the uh, predictions about the coming Messiah, the Old Testament said that he would teach in parables. Now, a parable is a story that you can understand, but it has a very keen heavenly or spiritual significance. Carl, um, 10 virgins, five had a will, five didn't, and the bridegroom came at an unexpected hour to go forward with a marriage ceremony, and some were ready and some weren't. Uh, uh, so prima facie, it's a little bit about salvation, isn't it, Carl? Yeah, I would say it's telling us that we better be ready that when the Lord comes, we don't know. And so we need to be living our lives today as if God is coming back today. Uh, I've found that for me, obedience is the best thing that I've got. If I live my life obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't have to sit back and wonder, well, if I, if I could I have done more? Could I have done this? Could I done? live obedient? And then if the Lord does come back today, and I believe this is what he's teaching here very clearly, is that you're ready. You have nothing to worry about because you have lived your life in obedience to what he has commanded you to do. You're ready for him to come back. You are, It's like being in the military, ready, willing, and able to do what he's called us to do. And that's what he's calling us to be. Yeah. And, and let me say this, Darina, too. The 10, uh, there, there's a book, it's 100 years old, but it's a really good book. And it's a book called Number in Scripture by an author named E.W. Bullinger, B-U-L-L-I-N-G-E-R, E.W. Bullinger. And it's probably in your church library or in, in it, it wouldn't be that hard to find. Bullinger uh, and and it, it's a very balanced book, but he looks at what number means in Scripture because you don't want to get like some, some people can get kind of wild out there in the weeds. But E.W. Bullinger basically says that number in Scripture speaks about God's authority and it speaks about completeness or perfection. Now, two things, and we're, we've got a brief break. God is an authority, and he, the bridegroom, will come when he chooses. But the other thing is completeness or perfection. God is completing the church. And one day, the last person to get saved will be brought in, and the end of time will come. We're going to unpack this further on the other side of the break with more of Truth and Liberty. Stay tuned. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, he is calling you to find it. We want to help you 
experience his unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Wow, what a great break. I am so excited about what God is doing. Hey, we're going to resume our conversation with Carl Kirby in just a moment. I want to give the number. If you've got a Bible question, it's 719-619-2341. And as I said earlier, if you need spiritual help, maybe you want to make sure that you're really a Christian. This, folks, there is no more significant question that you could ever ponder. Am I saved? Has there been a moment when I was, was born again? And if you need spiritual help, you want to pray with somebody. Maybe you're a Christian. You've got an issue and you say, I just need somebody to share a little bit of God's word and pray with me. The number for that is 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. We're going to get back to calls. I want to go back just a minute for Darina's question about the 10 version virgins. Now, this is in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Jesus said, have oil in your lamps. Now, I've got to tie this into two more scriptures. You know that if you're a born-again believer, this, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And very often in scripture, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is compared to oil, uh, olive oil, or the oil in a lamp. And Ephesians 4, 30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God who seals you to the day of redemption. Uh, the other thing is, though, Carl, and I want your comment on this. In Matthew 7, 21 through 24, and, and five virgins that were wise, five virgins that were foolish, and they didn't have oil because they weren't born again, and the bridegroom came to complete the church. They weren't ready. Matthew 7, 21 through 24 Jesus says regarding the end of time, he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we testified in your name. We cast out devils. We did many wonderful works. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. And Jesus, in the, the parable of the ten virgins, he said, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord cometh. Carl, we are to be ready, be faithful. We don't know the day or the hour. I, I personally, I'm just going to tell you, I think we're in the last days. I think, very, I think very likely we are near the return of Christ, but we don't know. Uh, but here's what we do know. We're to be ready. We're to be faithful. We're to be ready, faithful, and fruitful because one day the bridegroom, he will be back. Carla, is there anything else about that parable that you want to draw out? Well, I'll tell you this. I am 
Alex, you impressed me every time I'm with you with your Bible knowledge. And I'd never heard that on the numbers and, and, and tying all that together. But here's the piece that I would carry on on the obedience. When I first started in ministry, I was an air traffic controller at O'Hare. And I would travel out on the weekends. I'd leave Friday, speak Saturday, Sunday, come back Monday, go back, do air traffic control on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leave Friday. And my pastor that... Uh, the church I was going to at that time, every time I came back, he said, Carl, how did it go? And I didn't know how to answer the question because I, I just didn't know how to answer that question. Three months, he asked me how to go. After three months, I finally got real. And I said, Pastor, I don't know how to answer that question because when I go out and do ministry, I pour my heart out. And sometimes people are like ice statues. I mean, are they breathing? Are they alive? Do they put mannequins in here? I mean, I don't know. But as an air traffic controller, I could tell you immediately if I did well or not, because nobody died. It was a good day, right? Oh, and so wow. I told the pastor, I don't know, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. I I said the only time I feel like I've accomplished anything in ministry is uh, I've had young people come up and say, you're fired up about their faith. I'm gonna start a club and in, in my in my school. And I even had a pastor at the end of a weekend conference. I use James 1 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And if you're trying to put one foot on the world's wisdom and one foot on the word of God, you're gonna be unstable. And this guy said in front of his entire congregation, I've been unstable. And from here on out, I'm putting both feet firmly on the word of God. And so I said, that's the only time I feel like I've accomplished anything. And my pastor looked at me, three months he set me up to get real, and he said, Carl, you're wrong. I was like, why? He said, how long did Noah preach? 50 to 120 years. How many people responded? You see, if you base your success in ministry on the response of others, you're always going to be lonely in ministry. You have to ask, ask yourself, were you obedient? And if you were obedient, you were successful, regardless if you ever see anybody respond. And so I would tie that back in with they were obedient. You had five that were obedient and five that were not. They didn't know. They they maybe they were, oh, we're, you're, we're brides, right? No, you're not. You're there in lip service only. And that's not what God's calling. He doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want the facade. He wants the whole heart, soul, mind, strength. And I'm praying that that's what we can do to people is show them that that's what God wants. And when you give that to him, it's amazing what he does with it. You know, um, does the name Bill Bright ring a bell, Carl? Yes, sir. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade. Uh, in its day, the largest mission agency in the world. I was very privileged back in 1990, I believe it was. Um, I had Bill Bright for personal evangelism. And his wow. son, Brad, later told me it was the last college class that his dad ever taught, as far as he knew. And so personal evangelism, Bill Bright wrote a little booklet called... Um, the uh, Four Spiritual Laws. It's a gospel booklet, and Bill Bright taught us personal evangelism. What, but he said, I'll never forget this overhead, this slide. This is before PowerPoint. This is back when people use transparencies. Those, you remember those, Carl, the transparencies? But he said, success in witnessing is simply sharing Christ in the power and leading of the Holy Spirit, but leaving the results up to God. And Amen. let me encourage you, don't, don't feel like you've got to save anybody because we can't. I've yeah. never saved anybody. Jesus is the Savior. Now, I'm, I'm quite happy to be the little messenger boy, and <laughs> we deliver the message, but we, like Bill Bright, sharing Jesus in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, but but it's very liberating. You leave the results up to God. Amen. I tell everybody, we don't convict or convert. That's the Holy Spirit's job. 
we converse. And what a privilege it is that we are given that opportunity to talk about something as amazing as the fact that a God loved us so much that he died for us when we said, no, thank you. Oh, wow. Wow. Hey, we're going to go to Alex. Alex is a subscriber uh, in Colorado. Alex, first of all, thanks for being a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, and we welcome you to tonight's program. Thank you for inviting me on. I was wondering, does Reasons for Hope or Truth and Liberty have anything um, for younger age groups from three to five years or maybe six to 12 years? I'll answer for... uh, I'll answer for reasons. Carl, go Pro. ahead. Yeah. yeah, we do. If you go to our app, uh, go to Just for Kids. Uh, there's a tab on the main page of the app, Just for Kids. And when you open that up, you're going to see Fast Facts. That is a one month, six day a week, 90 second video uh, talking about the design features on animals, like I was talking about earlier. You watch the video, then there's questions based on the video. Answers are in there, and then there's a coloring sheet. If you got the ADD gang like me that has to be doing something with hands when I'm listening to people, and and that's so six days a week, one video, one month conversation starter. There's a, a couple of other videos in there. There's some art lessons in there from our artist, Dan Letha. I think there's 36 art lessons teaching how to draw a certain type of an animal, but there's teaching about that animal from a biblical perspective as you go through that. And we also have a book, if you went to our uh, online store, and you can call 1-800-552-HOPE, and uh, Dave will be happy to direct you toward this as well, but it's called Fascinating Facts. And that is a zoo guide. There are six animals, and it's what I—it's the information that I use when I take people through a a, a tour. And it's Afri- African animals, and we're pray for us. We want to have one for every continent on the planet, but right now we just have one of them, and it's all kind of really unique information that young people love to hear about. So you can get it on our app for free, all the videos and everything. But then you can also get that fascinating facts book as well. Carl, do you ever go to book conventions like there's one CBA, Christian Booksellers Association, or NRB, National Religious Broadcasters? Do you ever go to that? I'm such a lame I should, but I don't. I'm always out doing ministry. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're being spiritual. But folks, listen to this. I, I was in May at the NRB, National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and I've heard it for about four years now. The, the two fastest growing segments of Christian publishing are basically worldview and apologetics. Worldview Mm -hmm. is what we believe. Now, apologetics is defending what we believe. And when we're talking about reaching children and Alex from Colorado, thanks for that great call. Um, I've got to tell you this, and there are a lot of great resources, and I've got a few things to share, but answers in Genesis. Carl, are you familiar with the um, the, the resource they've got called the seven C's of creation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, folks, this, this is really powerful. Ken Ham, we've had Ken Ham on the program. He's a great defender of the faith. Maybe some of you watching have been out there to Kentucky and you've seen the ark. They've built an exact replica of Noah's ark. But the seven C's of creation, um, they, they talk about the gospel story from creation yeah to Christ, and a lot of churches I've been in, I was in one church, Carl, and they were teaching that, 
and it, it basically is a foundation for apologetics and biblical worldview. They were teaching it to kindergartners. So if I, kids if I can get it. If I may, I, I'm Alex, sorry? I'll yeah. jump in on that because I was with the ministry when that came out. And what is so amazing about the seven seas of history, yes, it teaches the biblical historical accounts. I don't call them biblical stories. The biblical historical accounts, but what it does is then it ties in actual evidence that fits on a biblical timeline. So you're teaching the young people not only the biblical truth, but how to fit it into what we see in the world around us. So creation, corruption, uh, catastrophe, Christ, Christ it's, it's, the seven seasons is very powerful because it then ties in and gives you direct connection to what we see in the world around us, which is so vitally important in our world today. You know, uh, you weren't with us in Iowa Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but, but I was out there and we had Q&A with, I don't know, 80 or 85 teenagers. And one of the very first questions, what happened to the dinosaurs? All so the time. we're talking about history and not only history from a biblical perspective, but geology. What about our world? And then really what happened to the dinosaurs? Kids want to know that virtually every group of young people I'm ever in front of, they want to know about what happened. Dinosaurs and woolly mammoths, they want to know, don't they? Absolutely. And that's where it would come under catastrophe. Why don't we see these things? The global flood. So, yeah, it's it's a wonderful, uh, I believe it's even a, a curriculum that they have the whole curriculum that you can go off of that. But that approach, I would highly encourage anybody, even if you don't use the seven C's, find whatever curriculum that is that you use. Please make sure that it's teaching application to what we see in the world today. Memorization is vitally important. I'm not trying to diminish Bible scripture memorization by any stretch of the imagination, but it's very important that we teach the application component is true uh, as well so that people can use these things. And it's not just we're talking Christianese and people don't get it. Right. Well, we're going to go to California. Jermaine in California, thanks for holding. You're on Truth and Liberty. Hey, I got to ask you, what part of California, Jermaine? Where are you? Anaheim. Anaheim, Anaheim. California. That's that's where Disneyland is, isn't it? Yes, it is. I've been there many times. Oh, um, I've, I've got a story I'm not going to take the time to tell, but we were out there for a convention a couple of years ago and uh, got to share the gospel with a lot of people. But thanks for listening. And uh, what's Wonderful. your question for tonight's edition of Truth okay. and Liberty? I heard um, someone speaking about the Ten Virgins, and um, that brought to mind the movie I've seen on Daystar a couple times, Before the Wrath, uh, Jack Hibbs, the pastor from... Um, Oh, Southern California is in it, and they describe the parable of the Galilean wedding, how it all lines up with a Galilean wedding, and one part of that wedding is in the middle of the night at a given time, the father of the groom, Jesus, um, lets him know it is now time to go get your bride. And they go down the street in the middle of the night playing the shofar, and they go to the house of the bride. However, uh, five of the um, bridesmaids were ready, dressed and so forth, sleeping in their clothes, and five were not. Well, as a child, I was uh, so 
sad that Jesus and God weren't fair because those gals were sorry, <laughs> but that's irrelevant. But uh, I found out that quite probably, if I understood the story correctly, it is five had the Holy Spirit in them and therefore were ready for the return of Jesus, whereas five did not, and they were the door was shut on them. So before the wrath uh, on Daystar, fabulous movie. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jermaine, thank you. By the way, you mentioned Jack Hibbs Church. Friday night, uh, 48 hours from now, when I'm on Truth and Liberty with Steve Dace, they showed his movie Nefarious at Jack Hibbs Church. And it's a movie you really please plan to watch Friday night and tell people about that. It's going to be a great show. Uh, Carl, I was thinking about the, the five wise virgins and the five unwise and let me throw something out here, and I want you to comment. Uh, the, the five virgins that had no oil in their lamp, and that's pictorial of a person who doesn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit, and they weren't born again. But yet they were with the five saved virgins. They were interacting. They did stuff together. I mean, Think about this, and this is a sobering reality, folks. Sunday morning when you're in church, you might be sitting beside somebody and they're singing from this, the hymn book, and they're in church. Maybe they're a member, but the question is not, have you filled out a card? The question is, have you been born again? Billy Graham, the great evangelist Billy Graham, he said that he feared in his 60, 70 years of ministry that of all the people that came forward to be born again, the, the vast majority were existing church members. And he said he feared that maybe only 25% of our church congregants are truly born again. Now, yeah. I don't know, only God knows. But to everybody watching, the Bible does say, examine yourselves and see if ye be in the faith. Carl, what do you think about the the five and the five? They were yeah. they were they were together as a group, but yet yeah. five were ready for the bridegroom and five weren't. I, I think it's an interesting point, and also uh, I would add the cheapest. I'll give you the cheapest mission trip you'll ever take, Alex. Sit in a different pew next week. Sit in a different chair if your if your church has chairs. Explain. That is the cheapest mission trip you'll ever take. There's a whole group, a whole mission field sitting in your church and because we all tend to get in our little groups inside of the church and we don't realize all these other people that are there. There are lost people sitting in church. And so look at it as a mission field. Make sure that when you're even in church, you're sharing the gospel, but then don't leave it there. I mean, that's not the only mission field. We then need to go out and when we're living life, man, when we're just doing life, when we're eating at restaurants, talking to our waiters and our waitresses and engaging people. You know, the last camp that you and I were both at, Alex, on the you had already left, but it was a it was a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. There was a an elderly lady that was one of the workers at the camp going around cleaning tables and everything. And I remembered her from the time I was there three years ago when I was speaking with her and everything. But something really unique happened on the Thursday. They were playing some music uh, while we were eating. And I looked up and a number of the young men had gone up and they were dancing with this elderly lady. It was very polite. It was very respectful. Um, wow. And I'm just watching this. 
And I said, and I and I looked at Dave Glander, and he was sitting next to me. I said, Dave, it's it is it takes so little to be kind. It just takes so little to be kind. And in a culture gone crazy, kindness goes so far. What I didn't realize is that the guy that was running the camp, he came up later and he talked to me. And we were, he was talking, he mentioned that how how happy she was. Her heart was so blessed. And I said, Yeah, those young men that just really touched me that they did that. And he said, Yeah, but you don't realize yesterday she went home in tears because of things that had gone on at the camp. So today, these young men didn't know what had happened, just loving on people. You have people sitting in your church pews. You have people in your homes. You have people that are neighbors to you that are hurting, and they need to hear the truth. And this is the privilege and honor that we are given, is to share that love and that grace with people. Yeah. And and look, folks, don't think that you've got to spend decades becoming a, a, a seasoned apologist before God can use you. You know, I respect Carl Kirby. He's given his entire adult life to Christian scholarship. Uh, I thank God for Andrew and his amazing knowledge of the Bible and Richard Harris. But you know what? Just where you are, as you are, God can use you. Uh, Carl, let me let me change gears here, and you feel free to disagree if you want to. Now, I love apologetics. Man, I got saved. I started reading Josh McDowell, and I read the footnotes in Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and the footnotes led me to names like Chuck Colson, C.S. Yep. Lewis, Norman Geisler, E.J. Carnell, G.K. Chesterton, names like that. Folks, forget all that for a second. Here, here's how you can start to be an apologist. Memorize John 3.16, for God's love the world. Memorize a, a hurting world where people think nobody cares, nobody can be trusted. John 6.37, Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will in no way reject. Is that something? If you come to Jesus, he says, there is no way I'll reject you. Carl, I believe as much as we need apologetics, and believe me, that's been my career path. The most powerful witness is the Word of God, because in Isaiah 55, uh, it says God's Word does not return void. And this is something every Christian, you can memorize at least one or two verses. Don't you think um, when, we're, when we're being a witness, we, we need to lead out with the Word of God, Carl? Oh, Alex, you're so good at that. And the verse that I hang on to is John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. If we have that truth, yes, I'm a, in Isaiah 41, 10. I, I always use this one with the younger generation, 10 to 13, where I, I'll give the paraphrase. God says he reaches down with his mighty right hand and he's holding on to us. And what I'll do with this younger generation that is hurting, I'll say to them, look, I used to be an athlete. I mean, looking at me now, you're like, yeah, right. No, I did. I used to be an athlete and I used to be able to even do pull-ups. Well, I can't do them anymore. Shoulders terrible. I, I probably couldn't even hang for three seconds if I had to, right? But that's the greatest thing about this. Isaiah says God reaches down with his mighty right hand. He's hanging on to me. And it tells me later in Scripture that nobody can take me out of his hand. No one includes me. So that's true comfort. So yes, knowing Scripture, knowing where we stand before God in Scripture and how much He loves us in Scripture is so vitally important. I love apologetics as well, but I tell everybody, most of the, what I thought apologetics was when I 
first got engaged with it and I started reading people around, it was a bunch of smart guys beating each other up with their IQs. Nothing could yeah, be further. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Apologetics is a very powerful tool, but when our ministry, when it comes to our faith, we need to know it, apologetics, but we need to live it. You can have all the answers in the world, but if your life and your lips aren't in sync, it's called hypocrisy, and no wonder the world wants nothing to do with Christianity because they see it in full force. But guess what? You can have all the answers, and you can live a great life and still be worthless because if you never get to the point where we're talking about Jesus— nothing's worth it. It's at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and tongue is going to confess. Not my arguments, not my smartness, because thankfully, I have to admit to you, I'm not that smart. I'm a simple man. Well, so, I would disagree, well, Carl. I think the, the, the dear Lord has given you a lot of IQ points, brother. Trust me, it's not IQ, man. It's just common sense growing up in the house where you know, I, I grew up around guys with one name, Alex Crusher, Bruiser, Mahler, Assassin. Come on, IQ's not stressed in the home of a professional wrestler, but I learned how to smell a fake and a fraud, and that's that in and of itself is a gift as well. But make sure that when you're in, in your faith that you know it, you live it, and you share it. It's all three. It's not just one or the other. You know, folks, we started this conversation with Carl Kirby asking the question, what is truth? Is truth even knowable? And does yes. truth matter? Truth, here's a definition. Truth is what's real. Truth, scholars define it like this. They'll say truth is that which corresponds to reality. In other words, it's the way things really are. It, for instance, if I said that Iowa is on the North American continent, is that true or false? Well, you can look at a globe and you say, my goodness, it is. So that statement was true. It corresponded to reality. But there are a lot of voices in the world today that are saying things that are simply not true. Uh, they're saying that a male can become a female. A male can give birth. That's false. That's not true. But you know, people are also saying, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you're sincere. That too is false. Carl, I'm going to give you the last word in just a moment, but folks, something very tragic that has weighed on my mind for over a month now. Do you remember those four people went in that homemade submarine? I mean, it made me nervous just hearing the news story. They got in this fiberglass tin can a guy built, go, went to the bottom of the ocean, it imploded and, and died. Many people had warned them. Uh, Rush Stockton, the guy that built it, everybody said, look, this thing is not seaworthy. And he mocked. And, and not only did he die, so did all of his passengers. That's like people that think they can make their own truth. They think, well, I've heard about Jesus, but I, I think it's not what you believe. Just be sincere. Carl, here's my point. The, the Word of God tells us there's a definitive, assured way to know God, and that's to be born again through faith in Jesus. There's 10,000 ways to miss heaven. There's one way to get there. That's through Jesus, and that's the eternal truth people need to hear, isn't it, Carl? Amen. A sub-definition to truth is that which has fidelity to an original. I looked it up, this up, and this is something that I do with the younger generation. I'll ask them, how tall am I? And they guess, and they guess, and they guess, and I tell them, you're all wrong. 
and I double my height. And they're like, what? There's no way. You're not 12 foot tall. Yes, I am. And I pull out my miniature ruler. And I say, here's my ruler. I measure myself. I'm 12 foot tall. Your ruler's no good. Why is it no good? Because it's no good. What do you mean it's no good? And then I pull out a real ruler. So you want me to use this ruler? Yeah, you close-minded, intolerant, bigoted, opinionated hick. Who do you think you are to jam your ruler down my throat? My ruler's right. How do we know which one is correct? That which has fidelity to an original. We take our rulers to a standard referent, and yes, there is such a place where we can do this. We compare it to the original, and when we do that, we know which one is accurate. It's not Truth is not based on what we feel, what we think, what we were raised with, or how sincere we are. It has to do with that which is in accord with fact and reality, and also as when it's compared to the standard referent, it measures up. The Word of God is our standard referent. And as Christians, we can take all of our ideas, all of our thinking, all of these issues that we're confronted with on a daily basis, and we can compare them with that standard referent, and then we can know truth. But if you don't have a standard referent, you're going to see what we see in the world today with all the craziness that's going on. And then we can give you all the stats on more, three times more likely to commit violence and six times more likely to commit suicide. And all of those issues are coming into play because they don't have truth, and there is truth. His name is Jesus, his word is true, and you can trust it. Well, I know you're getting ready to speak there in Iowa. We've got to let you go. The The website for Reasons for Hope, give that, Carl. R-F-O-R-H.com, and the app is the exact same thing, just R-F-O-R-H. Just look for that and put it to use. I will put that the uh, PDF for that little miniature ruler, I'll put that up under presentation tools. It'll be up under there under Carl's tools and I'll have it up there. Give me a couple days. I'll even try and have it done tonight, but I'm going to have that put up there. If you want to download that and print it out, I give it out to this younger generation so that they have a place to always remember what am I going to use as my standard reference. And again, we have a camp in North Carolina. We've got one more camp in New Jersey. The website for our biblical worldview camps is equipretreat.org. Well, folks, Karis Bible College, I was just on the phone today getting my fall and spring schedule set in. I'm going to be teaching apologetics one, two, and three. Biblical Worldview 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to be teaching on the foundations of the U.S. Constitution, whether it's practical government, whether it's the School of Ministry, Karis Bible College. If you want to further your education, you can do it online or like hundreds and thousands from around the world. You can come to Woodland Park, Google Karis Bible College, Karis Bible College. And folks, look, every one of us can make a difference. Don't Don't sit back and do nothing merely because you couldn't do everything. None of us can do everything, but we can do what God has put us here to do. And God has put you here at this time. Number one, to know Christ, and he's as close by as a prayer, but to make him known. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. So let's make a mark and let's stand strong for truth. May God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.